Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, guys? It's the Sticky Buttons Podcast here. This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And we're coming at you with a great episode today. It's episode 80. Can you believe it, Brandon? Episode 80? What a big number. No, it's hard to believe, dude. That's hard to believe. I think we've been doing this since 2020, right? Was it September of 2020 that we started? It sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's about three years. About three years we've been recording this. That's crazy, man. Well, I guess congrats to us. I guess it's the middle of August. I guess I shouldn't jump the gun. But. <laughs> Damn near three years. 80 episodes. That's nuts. Wow. Well, I guess I do want to say before we begin, I just want to give a quick shout out to Kyle for joining me last week. And this has never happened to us, Brandon. So I guess it took, <laughs> it took us three years for this to happen. I guess knock on wood. That it doesn't happen again, but we lost Kyle's audio. We had to use the backup file. So if you listen to that episode, it's all about Starfield speculation. I think it's a great episode. You'll have to bear with Kyle's, his backup audio, or the backup audio. I think it's fine, but it is, you can tell, like, the quality's just not quite as good, but it is what it is. So I guess it's happened. We're officially a podcast where we lost, lost the, lost the audio files, Brandon. It's happened to us. Damn, dude. That's not a good precedent. <laughs> well, I think it's the mark of any true podcast, right? You gotta have something to go wrong. <laughs> I can't help but feel like we're being messed with by Gengar. Oh man, that is that is a callback. <laughs> like Gengar corrupted the audio files on episode seventy-nine. I guess you know it was all about Starfield speculation, man. And I think that it was it was Gengar messing with us because we we should have had you there. It would have been really fun to talk about some Starfield speculation with you, but we're going to do a little bit of that today. And I guess before we get to that, we're also going to talk about some speculation of the Switch. So if you heard, there's been some, uh, I guess, reporting, some rumors on a Switch 2. And I guess pretty much all that we know is that, uh, or I guess all that's being speculated and reported on is that development kits have gone out and that the Switch 2 is reported to come out at the end of 2024. I guess we're coming up. I mean, it's August of 2023. So in a year plus a couple months is when we could have the new Switch. This is what a lot of more than one source is saying. So I guess it's likely, yeah, likely that it'll happen at the end of 2024. How does that make you feel? That's exciting, Blake. It really is to know that the console that I love so much is going to have another reiteration. I just hope that, you know, the jump in, I want to say technology, but the jump in like performance. Like is specs? Worth, yeah, the jump in specs is going to be worth or warrants a whole nother model. A lot of times, like, especially with Nintendo's business model, there would be a new iteration of something and it's not necessarily doing anything different per se mm-hmm. or if it is it's running a few a few better specs so i'm i'm curious to see how nintendo executes with the switch 2 as far as making improvements listening to you know their fan base and yeah just giving us something that we would expect from the switch 2 so i guess let me ask you this what do you expect from nintendo's next console because, I mean, they could do something totally different, and they could give us the, the GameCube 2, you know? I mean, they've done it before. 
So I guess, what do you think is going to happen, and what would you like to see? Any many features that, that's a must-have for you? Well, I have said in the past, you know, I would love for Nintendo to look into maybe like a PC for their games. I know that their games don't require that much processing power, per se, but you know, something like a gaming station for their games. I feel like that would be uh-huh. nice for the Switch to have something that... So something like an addition, like like a dock or something that has some additional power? Right, right, like a dock that uh-huh. allows you to maybe have some more titles that you wouldn't otherwise be, have access to, maybe some better graphics, better performance. Yeah, that's interesting. I could see something like that where it's like if you're playing it in handheld, it's a certain resolution, certain frame rate, but then you have it docked with this special dock and... You know, it can bump up to 4K or whatever. And that's another thing that, like, you're... Or I'm 8K. Thinking, yeah, maybe even 8K as <laughs> advertised in a lot of places. But it's kind of difficult to think about, well, how do you improve on a console in 2023-2024? Like, what do you add to it that makes it that much more innovative and ingenious? Ingenuous is not even a word. Genius that other people are going to want to buy it, right? And that's, I mean, with the Switch 2, I don't know. I I feel like Nintendo's just going to drop another Switch-like thing and make, like, one or two updates and call it a day. I agree, man. I think that it would be crazy for them not to make something that was very similar to the Switch. I mean... Like Xbox and PlayStation, you know, PlayStation, you know, we got the PS5 and the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, you know, you can kind of see the leaps, right? But I mean, essentially, they, they're a box. They might look a little different and they do the same things. And I think with Xbox, it's very similar. But Nintendo's the one that, you know, they're a little bit different. And, you know, sometimes they, they pull out the Game Boy or the Nintendo DS. So, but I think that it is going to be a similar form factor to the Switch. Do you think that they're going to improve the Joy-Cons in any way? I mean, I feel like I mean, they would have to, Blake. Me personally, that's my that's my biggest gripe with the Switch, other than performance. That's a make-or-break point on new consoles, is mm-hmm. like the Joy-Cons and kind of the remote setup. It seems like every new iteration of console, mm-hmm. at least for PlayStation and Microsoft, there has been some sort of update to that kind of system. So it would make sense that Nintendo would look into upgrading at least that uh, or changing that up into a better system. And I'm sure they do have better systems in place that, like, they could implement, but they would much rather wait for, like, a 2028 model, (laughs) you know, and give us, like, something that isn't necessarily the best, which is planned obsolescence and now I'm like very skeptical about this next console I don't know older I get I'm like a little more like nihilistic about this (laughs) it's the same same thing just a different little bit different software very similar hardware yeah so yeah I agree man I think you're right to be skeptical I will say there's, there's a couple things that make me a little optimistic though so I guess I don't know if you've been following this at all but in the EU I think it may have actually been in the UK. There was, a, I guess, a legislative body that passed this legislation. And I guess they, they kind of said that, you know, handheld electronics 
they have to have user replaceable parts in the future. And then they also, I think in, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they kind of said that cell phones have to have like, like a uniform charging port. So like the next iPhone, for example, it's going to have a USB-C charging. So I think there's kind of been some like moves towards that. And I think a lot of this was, you know, in the, in the wake of like so many millions of these things get made and sold. It would be nice if you didn't have to throw the whole thing away for one busted part. And I think that in terms of like, you know, environmentalism, as we move towards a more sustainable future, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have that. So I'm not as, and you know, I, I will say like, I guess the Switch came out in 2017, which to me, I just think is absolutely crazy. That is crazy to think about. Like, that was so long ago. It's coming up on seven, eight years. The technology feels, like, right there. You know what I mean? Like, the technology feels very current. So I'm curious, like, Switch 2, you know, what are they going to unveil? What is going to be the main talking point about this console? Yeah, and I think for me, my biggest two things is, I really think it needs to have more power, which I think that's a no-brainer. I think it's going to be more powerful. And I really, I'm kind of worried about backwards compatibility. I mean, I personally have bought a lot of games on the Switch, like the eShop. You know, I have a lot of physical cartridges. Nintendo licensed games in general. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And they're one, it really drives me crazy, but it's, I mean, they're one type of game that never goes on sale. And it's really hard to play these games and... When you do buy like a first-party Nintendo game, I don't know. For me, it, at least, it feels like I'm buying something special because I know it's <laughs> it's never going to go on sale, and I'm actually going to have to fork up the full price for the game. And a lot of games I'm curious about, you know, I'll I'll wait for a discount or I'll wait for a sale. But with Nintendo, I feel like there's a few that I've you know chalked up full price for, and I think that that's exciting when that happens. So I, I would love for it to be backwards compatible with both my digital purchases and my I guess physical purchases. I'd love for it to stay handheld. Love for the, the Joy-Cons to, <laughs> there for there to be improvement there. I love the setup they have with the Switch. You know, the Joy-Con with the dock. I think it's a great setup. And, and they can scale pretty well from there. And like I said, there's a number of ways they could take it. And just seeing how they execute. It's going to be the main, I would say, difference maker between whether or not people are going to buy a Switch 2 or looking to getting the next generation, another console. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, the Switch deck, the Steam deck. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since, yeah, it's kind of funny. In a lot of ways, it kind of feels like Nintendo has kind of changed the landscape. Like, with the DS and 3DSs, they were at the forefront of, you know, touchscreens. I had the 2DS, which had the touchscreen. I had that well before I had a smartphone that had a touchscreen. I think I even had the DS before my dad had a touchscreen on his work phone. You know what I mean? And so I feel like they kind of were at the forefront of that. And, you know, now they were at the forefront of, like, having something that, you know, can be put on the TV, but you can also have it handheld. And, you know, since then, like, the Switch has come out, and there's been a ton of other ones. So many. I can think of three or four other brands. I mean, I can't necessarily name them. I guess there's like, the. I mean, but you, yeah, you know when you see it. And it's very much like a gaming machine that can run modern games, but it's in a handheld format. And all you do to plug it into a, a TV is plug it in USB-C through a dock. And I think they really changed that. Just because 
that was just so revolutionary and it really does feel like you know taking your whole games on the go like that's so cool i'd love to see them stay with that but i'm just excited for what's next i see what you mean like that's kind of their niche in the space in this market is like the, the idea of like you have these consoles like the xbox and playstation heck even your steam even your pc that you run steam on but these are all stationary and it's a little more difficult to take games with you on the go that's kind of where they fit in in the market of Switch, and they do it really well. But they kind of adapted this Apple model where they want to build, they want to have control of everything in the process. They want to control the, the licensing, they want to control the software, they want to control the hardware. Mm-hmm. And for the fan, that leads to, or the consumer rather, it leads to not being able to like get the most out of this really cool piece of tech. Imagine you have your Steam Deck. On your Steam Deck, you could run Super Smash Bros. Mario Kart, and then also whatever you want. Like that would be. Well, the thing is, I could, I can, and I will, Brandon. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> There's no yeah, stopping. No, I mean, like by design. Yeah, I mean, all of these, you know, uh, I guess consoles that they have their closed system PCs, right? So just because, you know, the the company sold it to you, they, you'll never be able to unlock the full potential of it. Um, just because it, you have to keep it in order to, you know, to play their games and agree with their licensing. You have to keep it, you know, within their ecosystem. You have to use their operating system. You have to use their store. And with the Steam Deck, I mean, I think it's really interesting because although it's easier to use the Steam Store, I can also use like the itch.io store. I can use the Epic Game Store. But it is a pain in the ass to use those on the Steam Deck, but you can. And I've run an Epic Game Store game, or a game that I got from the Epic Game Store. I've run a game that I've got from itch.io on the Steam Deck. But it does require extra steps in order to get those set up. So, yeah, it would be... I've also set up emulation, so I've been able to play some, some Nintendo games on here. I Man, I'll say, playing a Game Boy Color game on my Steam Deck, that was fun. <laughs> I think I played like a Mario Mario Deluxe so, or something. That's so rebellious. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll have people knocking on your door like, hey, can we take a look at your Switch or your Steam Deck? Yeah, your Steam Deck, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess the only thing going for me is I do actually have the physical Game Boy Color cartridge of that game, so I'm fine. I guess that's the... <laughs> I guess it's okay to emulate as long as you have the original copy of it. Dude, it's retro. I can see there being a revival of, of like, different eras or pockets of gaming history. Well, I think that's already happening. I think that's everywhere. It's Yeah, it's definitely everywhere. I wonder if there's a subreddit for it, because I'd love to be in it. <laughs> yeah, there, I'll send you a couple of YouTube videos, man. There are some people really keeping it alive. And there's a lot of, like, devices that are out now where you can just, like, actually just emulate the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games. And they kind of, it's like a, kind of looks just like a bootleg Game Boy, but you can put the whole library on there because you can just slip an SD card in. Yeah. And now it's like, you can fit exponentially the amount of games that you could fit in that console way back in that time, but for a fraction of the price and of the weight and size. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's more wall for you. Absolutely. I might have to get you one of those. Maybe I'll get you one of those and get that. I'll set it up for you. I think it's fun to tinker with that kind of stuff. So It looks really, really cool. 
And there is this one Game Boy game that I still think about, dude, that Dragon Ball Game Boy game. I need to, like, find was it, it. It was a Game Boy Advance game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, because it was, like, I played on the DS, but it was a Game Boy Advance game. It was, the time. It was one of those DSs where you would slip it in the bottom. Mm-hmm. The game Boy game. So. Okay. Gotta find that title. I think there was, it looks like there was a couple. I'll do some research. I'll see if I can find anything for you. You know, it looks like there's three. Oh, that's a Game Boy Color game. Okay, look this up. See if this is it. Is it Dragon Ball Z, The Legacy of Goku? Is that it? There's another one, if that's not it. What's the other one? Dragon Ball GT Transformation. Both for the Game Boy Advance. No, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it was Dragon Ball Z Boo's Fury. Oh, Boo's Fury? Yeah, for Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that was it right there. I remember that fucking cover. Oh my gosh. Dude, we gotta get that game in your hands, man. Dude, it's gonna bring back a major nostalgia. <laughs> it looks hey. so fun, too. Like, just looking at the images, I'm like, wow. It's, it's you know, man, they have Game Boy Advance games on Nintendo Switch Online. Maybe you'll get lucky and they'll put that one on there. You know, I haven't even checked if they remade this one, although I feel like this is such a, like, niche title, but who knows. That shit looks kind of sick, man. The one thing that I like about the Game Boy Advance, man, I really enjoy the art style. Like, everything, just about everything they made, like, a lot of it's still pixel art, but it was, like, good enough to where, like, you could really tell and, like, have, like, an artistic vision on it. Like, it wasn't just, like, black and white. It left just enough room for imagination of the characters, mm-hmm. too, I feel like. Like, the pixelation was just, like, yeah. Just artsy enough, or I don't know how, what word I'm looking to use there, but you get the gist to the point where you're kind of like picturing the character. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that they look like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do miss... I've actually... I have been playing some Game Boy Advance recently. I've been playing Pokemon Fire Red. Ooh, that's a throwback. Who's, who's your starter? Bulbasaur. Okay, you and Bulbasaur. Right. Bulbasaur, man. I think that there is no other way to go. I mean, I've always been drawn to the grass, but I'm Bulbasaur all the way, man. What are you? I mean, I got a feeling. I feel like you've got to be a Charmander type of guy. Yeah, dude. I'm a, I'm a, big, <laughs> I'm a big oil on this one. I'm yeah. going to go fire. I'm Charmander. I hate that's the big oil, but I guess the big oil wouldn't be Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. They don't care about water. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess, I don't know. I guess I don't really have too much more to say about the Switch. Switch 2. I mean, I just hope it's a quality thing, and I'd love to love to just see what happens next. So I guess I'm here for the ride. I will say, though, recently I, I forked up the money, and I bought, it's something called a Neo Grip, and the company is called Skull & Co., so it's kind of like those like headphones, like Skull Candy, but I think that they changed their name to Skull and Co. And I guess they they make like a grip for the Switch. It's called the Neo Grip. And I guess I have it here, so I'll hold it up for you, Brandon. But it's kind of what it really does is it kind of just adds like handles onto it, so it kind of makes it look like a modern controller. But it like kind of adds them to the. I love that. I love the design of it. It doesn't look too like. It's not too intrusive, yeah, and it really kind of just clips on there. It comes it with a feels, couple... It seems very, like, thick and ergonomic, too, which is awesome. 
Yeah. You know, it's like $20 on Amazon. I did pay a little bit more for a special edition one, like the special edition colors. I have like the special edition Zelda Switch, and I thought about buying this Neo Grip, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, how much could it really help? And then I waited till Prime Day, and it was sold out, and then so I had to fork up like... I decided that I still wanted it, and I ended up buying it on eBay, and I had to pay like a $10 markup, which I'm not super thrilled about. Scalpers, man, they'll get you on everything. <laughs> Dude, scalpers yet again. I remember there was a time where we were just talking about scalpers all the time from the podcast because we pee fuck. <laughs> the scalpers, man. They got, they got me here. They got my $10 this time. They strike yet again, man. Scalpers and Gengar have just been lurking. They've been lurking, waiting to inflict pain, man. Yeah, we thought we had moved on, but they they, they thought otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, that really, honestly, that totally changes how I feel about the Switch and like the ergonomics of it. And especially like with the OLED screen, all I've been doing is playing it in handheld. But I've got to say, like now that I have these like grips, like it really does make a huge difference. It's absolutely worth it. I think like the base one is like twenty dollars, so definitely worth getting. So I hope that the Switch Two has something like that on the Joy Cons. But moving on, man. Last week I had Kyle on and we talked all about our Starfield speculation, but you didn't get to be a part of that conversation, Brad. And so, dude, how hype are you for this, man? Like, how are you feeling? It's the next Bethesda game, so I guess maybe just tell us how hype you are, and then maybe kind of give a little background of your. I guess, experience with the franchise. Or not, well, not the franchise, but I guess, like, Bethesda itself and their games. If I had to put on a scale of 0 to 10 how excited I am for Starfield, I would have to say it broke my scale, dude. I'm, <laughs> I mean, you I'm bought an whole, Xbox. I bought a whole console to do this thing, which now <laughs> that I think about it, I should have just bought a PC, but it's all right. Man. It's okay. It's okay. thing, man. Did the thing. But, you know, this is the first new universe in 25 years from Bethesda Game Studios. And this is a studio that's known for several other universes that have left an impact on gamers for decades and just have such a huge, huge impact on the gaming culture. And I think this is a title that we'll talk about decades from now in the gaming space. Calling it here first. Uh, And I'm really excited to see what Bethesda did with Starfield. You know, this is an intellectual property, from my understanding, that's been in the works for over two decades. Yeah, no, it really sounds like that. if If you work on a project for over two decades... You know, that's that's like putting meat to get smoked and cooking it. Like For 20 a hours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I know what you mean, man. I know what you were going it. for there. <laughs> Starfield has got to be like a really perfectly cooked steak. It's got to be perfectly seasoned. Perfectly seasoned. And, man, I'm excited <laughs> to take a cut out of that steak and see you know, this, this is what we're working with here. Uh, you know, it's it's not the most elegant metaphor, but I, I really <laughs> like it, man. Are you a dry rub or are you a sauce kind of guy? I'm definitely a sauce kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to make the sauce 
Gotta make the barbecue. You gotta smoke it. I think they're really gonna do that here. I think they're gonna do the thing. Do you have any, like, one aspect that you're really excited for? I'm excited to see something, because I, when I think about, as that, I think about Skyrim, because that's really mm-hmm. what I have in my, that's my experience with them. Yeah. And I think about how the world is kind of just an engine, mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, I think of, like, Breath of the Wild, right, Breath of the Wild 2, to be a little more specific. It's just like a physics engine, like a game physics engine. I'm really excited to see how this engine or this world runs on its own. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast recently where one of the lead developers, I believe his name is Todd, Todd something. Sorry, Todd, if you're if ever listening to this. Right now, but <laughs> Todd something, he gets asked like, hey, like, what's something that surprised you in the development of this title? Like, what's something that you guys, when you were testing, you were like, and he said that, he was on the planet looking for materials, and there was a enemy ship that lands, and they kind of raiding this planet as well. And he like is fighting them, runs on their ship, and then he gets taken on their ship out into space. And he was like, "Wait, I didn't even know the game could do that. Like, it's insane that this is happening." And oh my he, gosh. this was something that like really surprised him and his team during the testing, and. They said they liked it, and they kind of wanted to, like, keep running with that kind of theme of, like, chaos, and you quite don't know, like, what is going to take you. It's set in space, of, of all places, which I feel like is one of the most chaotic environments known to man. Absolutely. And so I'm excited, dude. I'm excited to see how they execute this, tell this story, let this world run on its own, and I feel like people will be running this game for years to come. So... Absolutely, man. And I'm pretty sure that that guy's name is Todd Howard, and I think he's the head of the studio. Yeah. But but also, Brandon, it's not just one world. It's a thousand worlds. So <laughs> that's is it's like the pitch that they're saying is it's a thousand. You know, I I think you're on to something there. Like I think that he also in in his direct that he did with the whole team, I think that they kind of said that. Actually, I don't remember who if it was him or another developer. They were talking about how they were coming across, they came across this planet and there were all these, like, this wildlife. And all this wildlife had been killed. And, you know, actually this may have been, like, an interview after the direct, but all this wildlife had been killed. And then they came across it and they were like, why is all this wildlife killed around here? And then, like, a couple of minutes later, they saw this, like, huge giant creature kill, like, some of the natural wildlife. And then its head kind of just like slowly turned to them. I feel like it really is going to be just like a crazy engine and things are just going to exist in this world on their own. And it's what you do, you know, and how you interact with that. It's going to be your own story, kind of like you said. And I'm really just excited for that. But kind of just, you know, to go off what you said, like with the engine, man, like this is like a space sim. Like it's like a simulation of space. And they've got, like, planets that are in orbit around other planets. And they've got, like, whole solar systems. I'm really excited for that. And just to, like, see, like, how is that going to impact a story? Because, like, that's not something that, like, has necessarily really happened before. Especially, like, with gravity. Like, what kind of stories are they going to tell if you can just get to the moon like that? You know what I mean? Like, what's on the dark side of the moon? You know, I'm going to be able... I mean, I don't know if there's going to be anything on the dark side of the moon, but like, I'm going to be able to go there and look. 
you know, and like those are just like things like within our own galaxy, and like they kind of say that like one of the planets or one of the biggest cities is on like Alpha Centauri, and like that is an actual you know star system, and they kind of have this whole you know simulation of how like the gravity all works together with all these star systems and. I'm really excited to see, like, what the gravity, like, if there's some big emphasis on gravity, because they kind of say, like, if you get to different planets, like, the gravity's going to feel different. I like, think it has to be different. Yeah, it would be. And, like, the grav drive, like, how they're saying you do, like, warp jumps or whatever is, like, through gravity. It kind of looks like there's some space magic, and it looks like that affects the gravity. I think somebody asked him in an interview about, like, black holes and this Todd fella. And I think he kind of dodged the question. So I'm really excited to see, like, what kind of, like, actual space shit is going to go down. Yeah, like, did, did they hire, like, an actual physicist? Is there, oh, like, I'm sure they hired many. Hey, like, we need to make this game engine and tell this story. Like, can you help us kind of work on work that out? That sounds like a really cool job. <laughs> yeah. Having a Starfield team kind of bring this game to life, bring this IP to life through code sounds like quite a challenge but something that i learned through listening to like podcasts about this game listening to a lot of hype was that whenever you're dealing with the ip i should have learned this through jason schreier's book music is like one of the first things that gets gets thought about gets made right and Mm -hmm. you know you ask me what is something that i'm most looking forward to and I really am looking forward to this musical score. Like, yeah, I wanted to see, like, who, what composers they, they had work on the music here. That was something I absolutely loved about Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Online. Like, they feel like they did a great job with the, the art, the music, the lore. So I want to see how that gets executed here. You know, 25 years of, of this can, should garner you know, quite extensive lore and storytelling and myths and music and just overall Starfield culture, so to say. Absolutely. I'm excited, I'm excited to see what that is, dude. And something, too, that I've been in the Starfield subreddit a lot. I'm looking forward to see what everyone has to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the psychology behind this release is just as interesting as the game, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. it's just getting talked about in such a... A uh, fervor, man. It really is. That's I couldn't have picked a better word for it. There's such a fervor for it. And the subreddits, everyone's like, either they love it or hate it already. Like They're just like super stoked or just very skeptical about it. I mean, this has penetrated every aspect of my like internet or, and how I interact with the world, man. It's just everywhere. And it's like... Well, it's interesting to see how the psychology plays out because right now we're obviously pre-release, but mm-hmm. let's, within a couple of weeks we'll be seeing everyone talking about the game, whether like the or not reviews it, are going to come out, yeah. to their, and whether or not it lived up to their expectations and how they feel about it, what they like, what they don't like, and it's exciting, man. It's exciting to be a part of this process, right? Like, yeah, I feel like this will be a title that, like you said, it's a space simulation. People will probably really enjoy playing this game with the virtual headset five, ten years from now. Because yeah. it's just very... It does the simulation well. Hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah. It does the simulation that well that people love to run that engine. Or, it like, 
kind of sets a basis for space sims. We'll see. So let me ask you this: How how do you envision yourself playing this? Are you excited to like like for the gunplay? Are you excited to like build your own ship? What are you most excited about? Because it, I mean, like it seems like there's just so much stuff that you can do in Starfield. What is something that's like speaking to you? Like what are you excited about? I think I'm looking. I'm most looking forward to the longer burn that is a Bethesda title. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking forward to that character development. Looking forward to seeing like how badass of a character can I make? What different kind of builds can I make? Because that's something I loved about Skyrim, and I found myself making the pawn builds, and that's just because I was curious about many different ways to play the game. And I guess that's how I want to answer your question. Is I'm it's like excited. the replayability of it? No, more so. I'm most excited to see. What are the different avenues you can take gotcha. in Starfield? Like, can you be like a space mage or just like a, a warrior that goes like headlong into enemy territory? What are the different ways you can interact with this, this world? And yeah, I just want to see how they design that. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm excited to see like the faction quest and like the religion quest and like. I don't think I'm going to actually engage with much of that on my first playthrough. I've actually kind of thought I really want to kind of play it as like a bounty hunter. Like a bounty hunter that's also a botanist is kind of like what I'm thinking. <laughs> Interesting. You sound a lot more specific. It seems like you have like a lot more knowledge about like... No, that's just my crazy expectations, man. So <laughs> I did base it a little bit on like the... I watched like a freeze frame of like the traits you can have. And, like, one of them was, like, bound. Actually, I think this was a skill. So you could get this on the skill tree. Like, one of the skills on the skill tree was bounty hunter. And I was like, hell yeah, like, that sounds fucking rad. So I just want to be a bounty hunter. And then I think that they mentioned one single time in the direct that you can grow plants. So I'm like, hell yeah, like, that sounds, for me, I want to grow a bunch of plants and be a bounty hunter. And that's, like, what I want to do on my first playthrough. So... But yeah, I'm excited to play it again and just like do all kinds of things, man. I'm just excited to, to get it in my hands. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely excited to build, see what like I can create. Mm. The multiplayer aspect too is something I, I'm curious about. How does really, that work out? I don't know if they've confirmed it multiplayer, have they? It's going to be solely single player like Skyrim. I don't know, I'm uh, not that sure. Would, that would make sense because that's Bethesda's MO. Mm. And yeah. also, if you're, if you're making a physics engine, if you're creating something of this gravity, you know, having to make that multiplayer aspect is just like a whole other world from like a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. You kind of just yeah. want to focus on like, let's tell this story, and then maybe we can focus on that later. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting, man. I guess at this point, we only have to wait a couple more weeks. Exactly. It's only a couple weeks away. Drop the countdown. It's coming soon, man. And before you know it, we're going to have this game in our hands. And we're going to be all over it. And I feel like we could speculate for hours on this point. Oh, but there's only one way to know how Starfield is going to play, how much we're going to like it. That's true. And, we certainly have to wait to get in our hands. Dude, we're going to have to get it in our hands. Are you going to get a release date or are you going to do... <laughs> I actually, it's tragic timing. The release date is tragic timing for me. Me and Aaron, we haven't taken a vacation in a while and kind of put something on the calendar and we're like, 
this weekend, like these are the dates we're going on a vacation and that kind of overlaps with the release date of Star <laughs> Starfield. So I will not be touching it on the release week, unfortunately, but I think that's okay. <laughs> I'm having a whole weekend. How are you playing this dude? I know. I know you really will, but I actually, I think that's okay. There's a couple of reasons. One, I need to live my life in the real world. <laughs> I, <need> to, <laughs> I really need really need a break, so I'm really excited for our trip. We're going to go out west. I'm going to see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Oh, wow. So I'm excited for that. Mesmerized, dude. You should get a drone. I don't have one. I don't. You could borrow, <laughs> you could borrow a drone. I know you know, your friends probably has one, but it would be beautiful yeah. to see the Grand Canyon like that. Yeah. I wonder if now that I'm thinking about it, we, we haven't like booked a lot of the accommodations. I'm wondering if there's like a helicopter tour or something we could do. I might look into that because that would actually be really cool to do. I'm really excited to see it and I would love to learn some of the history about it too. So I'm just excited for that. And I think we're also going to see, spend some time in Zion as well. It's going to be a short trip, like a, like a five day kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm just really, really pumped for it. So that's going to happen right as Starfield's coming out. So I'll, I'm not going to see that. <laughs> After you have a good time, it's, it's more exciting than Starfield, that's for sure. Well. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, that's debatable. Let's, let's hope Aaron doesn't listen to this. Yeah, I don't know, she may have heard that from the other room. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's a good thing that I, I'm actually coming to it a little bit late, because I, I am planning on playing it on my Steam Deck. That's the only thing I can play oh, it wow. on. Really? Are you going to run it on your like your oh, Steam Deck, right? On my Steam Deck. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little worried. <laughs> it's not going to... I mean, it's a next-gen title, but it's... I mean, on PCs, I think the, the specs can really go up. Now, I guess with the Steam Deck, it is... The Steam Deck is probably in between a Series X and a Series S. So I think it's going to be fine. However, I think it may take a little bit of tweaks... It may take some people kind of figuring out how how to best run it for to run on the Steam Deck, but I'm I did kind of buy the Steam Deck. That was one of the reasons that I justified to buy the Steam Deck was it'll run Starfield. And I guess now I'm I'm worried that it's not gonna run Starfield. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be fine. You know they have to take that into consideration, the Steam Deck. Um, you have to think about like people running their title on the Steam Deck specifically. It's so popular. Yeah, I don't think it's that popular. I mean, this thing's been in development for like eight years. I mean, the concept has been even longer. I think that they're really just trying to get this on the like on PCs and and the Xbox. So I guess we'll see what happens. I'm I'm sure it will be fine, but I guess we'll just. Keep your fingers crossed for me. Hopefully it runs perfectly on the Steam Deck and you don't have any performance issues. I mean, I think the graphics for a lot would probably just be like, probably get really hot. You know, have a really hot Steam Deck and it might be a little like glitchy sometimes. The, the fan, yeah. I think that they announced the prerequisites for it. Or like the, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said prerequisites. The minimum specs. And I think that one of the minimum specs is you have to have an SSD and the Steam Deck does have an SSD. And also, I'm kind of thinking that if it was going to run terribly, people would, there would be a million videos like, this thing is not going to run on Steam Deck. Like, sorry, Charlie. Um, exactly. <laughs> there are, you have, already know the community would be all yeah, over that. That's what I mean, because, like, the Steam Deck is just, it's such an, a gateway mm -hmm. to PC games for yeah. gamers, I feel like. A lot of people don't have 
the accessibility to just have a PC and like, or even the know-how of like mm-hmm. running a PC. Steam Deck is that like, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's kind of like a middle ground. It's a middle ground in between like a console and a PC. Yeah, and they actually just announced recently that you'll be able to buy Steam Decks or refurbish Steam Decks at GameStop. So, dude, I love that. And going back to what we were talking about earlier about like the legislators who passed those laws to make the consoles more uniform as far as parts and like having to reuse parts. These things are like lithium ion battery powered most of the times. Like they last. <laughs> These are the perks of living near an airport. They don't last too long. I mean, I can't think of any console I've used for more than 10 years. You know, I think they like are like 10-year pockets mm-hmm. that you use these things. And it can really do a number on the environment if everyone's buying a console or a handheld console and getting rid of it in a couple of years and then buying another one. That's just... Yeah. A nightmare. And these are things that are like we need to, as a society, we need to reevaluate consumption, how we do it, business in general. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Things need to stop having like a, a shelf life, you know, for a bottom line. And, right. And yeah, you know, I mean, the Steam Deck is actually really good. I mean, to give credit where credit's due, you can take it apart and replace all the parts and you can buy the parts from a third-party website. So... I would say that, yeah, that's awesome that the Steam Deck does that. I actually, I'll show Brandon. I just replaced the back on this. Oh, that looks so cool, dude. It looks, so you guys can't see this, but Blake actually has a really cool Heart Machine Studio sticker on the back of his Steam Deck. You can actually see right through his Steam Deck. So you can see the fan. You can see some of the, the storage. And here, the SD battery. That's, that's awesome. It's just really cool. You actually can see this. It's on our TikTok, but... <laughs> it's a uh, it's a really cool console, Steam Deck. If you don't have a PC, do some research. It might might work well. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, maybe wait till Starfield comes out, see how it runs on it. But I mean, God, if it can run Starfield, like it's a no brainer. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, seems fun. Think about not, can I run League of Legends on that? <laughs> oh, I think so. I think so. It might even be deck verified. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should move on to the actual games that we were going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, we should. So we're, we're quite a ways into this episode, but... Quite an episode so far. So you wanted to talk about... Okay, I see the titles you want to talk about. Let's talk about your titles, man. I can push mine back. Yeah, I really just got Street Fighter Six, dude. That's really the title I brought dude, today. Dude, I want to hear all about it, man. I don't have too much to talk about this title, dude, because I'll be honest, it was an impulse buy. <laughs> um, it was an impulse buy. I went to GameStop and I was looking for a new title to play on my PlayStation. And it seems like we're just at a point right now, right before September, where there's just like a bunch of drops. Mm-hmm. So it's like so much to play. It's like a resting point right now, as far as like or like a roller coaster before it drops, mm-hmm. because there's about to be a bunch of releases and there really isn't much right now. So GameStop didn't have too many titles, but that I did notice that there was some Street Fighter Six promo, and there was like one title left as far as like the display. Mm-hmm. So I could tell it was popular. A lot of people were buying it. So I asked if I could have a title, 
And of course, it was out of stock. So I go so to you my bought the, you bought the physical disc. Yeah, I did. And so I go to my local game retailer, GameStar, who I've talked about on the podcast before on Junction Boulevard. And of course, they have Street Fighter Six, dude. They have everything. <laughs> I'm upset I can't buy Starfield a couple of days before it releases with them because it's I believe it's only a digital download if I'm not mistaken yeah I think you're right I think you can you might be able to get the disc but I think the disc just lets you like download it just lets you download it into your which is like I don't know but yeah yeah that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> no it, it really is but it's it's fun to just impulse buy video games from time to time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Some of my favorites have been impulse buys. <laughs> yeah. So I hop right into this title. You hopping into the solo or you hopping into the multiplayer? I tried the, a little bit of the multiplayer. I quickly left because they were having me customized characters and I just like randomly picked a girl. Like random, randomized her. I was just trying to like explore what was going on because I don't, I know nothing about the Street Fighter world. Okay. So then I was going to ask you that. I left the online mode. I got into the story mode. And there are 18 unique characters, well, iconic fan favorites that you can play as. They added some new warriors, too. And apparently there's a new battle system on Street Fighter Six, where there's, like, three different modes mm-hmm. you could play on. I believe it's, like, automatic, moderate, and then classic. And the classic is, like... A very like old arcadey kind of Street Fighter Six mm-hmm. move sets, which is like I'm learning that it's a very specific fighting game. There are a bunch of moves for like punching someone's head, and a bunch of moves for punching someone's chest, and a bunch mm-hmm. of moves for like kicking someone. Mm-hmm. And it varies from character to character, so you really kind of like have to have an understanding of the move list mm-hmm. before playing this game. But then there are like modes where If you play the automatic mode, like the gameplay mode, Mm -hmm. it's very intuitive. Like, you're just pressing X, circle, triangle, square, and it's kind of picking, like, what it's going to do for you. But once you switch the game mode, or the control style, and they kind of, like, incentivize you to do that, because the game feels a lot more satisfying when you're playing on classic, I find, than when you play on automatic. You can tell the game was more so meant to be played on classic yeah dude i'm really enjoying learning the fighting mechanisms slowly but surely like oh when i do this when i do right x it seems like with every character i'm doing like a reaching punch of some sort and -hmm. then like solidifying that and slowly but surely getting better at it like it's it really does help you kind of make that learning curve and get you into the street fighter six world i can see why there's there weren't any copies left at gamestop because street fighter 6 just does a great job as a fighting game just like throwing you into this fight right from the music from the sound effects from the way that it plays it feels so smooth when you throw a kick and the other person parries it with their punch because you guys timed it at the same time so it's like, it feels really smooth. Where the other fighting games that I've played in the past, that might be something that's glitchy. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like, the Street Fighter kind of 
world, so to say, has been refined over a long period of time. And it's just one of those fighting games that it does that well. It's just a fighting game. And mm-hmm. you can feel that when you're playing it. It's like unlike anything you've ever played before as far as fighting. So, yeah, very inviting. I find myself going back to the game and dabbling with the fighting mechanism and learning more and more, just being curious about it. Played mainly 2K nowadays, but I still, like, will occasionally just get on Street Fighter and have mm-hmm. a couple fights with the AI. There is a story mode that's really cool. I haven't started it yet just because I I don't know what I'm doing, Blake. I really don't. I get beat up by, like, the level 4 CPUs. And that's those CPUs suck. Like level four is really low. I'm still getting beat up by them. There's a tutorial mode, but it's boring, dude. I yeah. just want to fight. Like mm-hmm. the tutorial mode is like one of those where they drop you there with the person and they're not moving at all, and you get to like practice your move and then you can like give them stuff to do. But I just want to fight. That's how I learn. You mm-hmm. know, when I was first learning how to swim, I just jumped in the water and I I figured it out. And that's kind of how I feel about this fighting mechanism. It's just, I just want to, like, keep fighting. Keep playing, yeah, yeah, gotcha. The only character I knew before purchasing this game was Ryu. Ryu. Mm-hmm. Which one is that? That's, that's the, the guy with the headband, right? The karate dude with the red, yeah. Yeah, the red headband. Yeah, I, yeah I, I think, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of characters to get to know here, familiarize yourself with. And I, I'm curious about them. They, look, they all look so cool. They have really cool outfits. There's mm-hmm. this really nice story mode where you can delve into each one of their stories, which having played fighting games in the past, like Mortal Kombat, like Injustice, like Super Smash Bros, where you have a story mode similar, I'm excited to meet these characters, understand who they are, mm-hmm. and see their different movesets, see how they play against each other. And yeah, that's pretty much all the notes I had about Street Fighter Six here, Blake. Do you have any questions? Oh, dude, I've got so many, man. Like, like I said, I, I really wanted you to finish, but I guess you've only played this a couple of times and you're still early on. Yeah, I'm still very early on. I'm still kind of like flirting with the game. You know, I'm dipping and dabbling. Yeah, yeah. It's growing on me for sure. Well, so here's the thing. I'm actually, I'm incredibly excited that you brought this here today because I'm not really in the fighting or the, I'm not really in the fighting game scene. I've never really played one. I've never really owned one. Like I've played Smash maybe ten times in my life. Like I'm really. I suck. I'm just not really in this world. But this one is broken through, and I've heard a ton of buzz about it. And I think that it's, you know, kind of like you said, I think it's very clear that a lot of people are checking this one out. And I think that kind of what you were saying about the control schemes, I actually did a little bit of research on this because I was interested. I guess that they changed it up, and they kind of have the two control schemes. I guess they have, like, classic mode. And then I guess, do you know what the other one is called? Is it like modern? I, I was calling it automatic. There's three modes. There's like there's okay. the mode where it's like the simplest. They're holding your hand the most. And mm-hmm. all you have to do is like press simple inputs. Like you could button mash in that mode if you wanted to. Right. And then the moderate is a little more specific. Like you have to know a bit more about what you're doing, like as far as controls wise. And then classic is like, I was actually at Barcade yesterday, last night. And classic is like, playing at an arcade like you, mm-hmm. you know, run there's a button for running there's a button for there's a button for jumping there's a button for dashing there's a specific moves specific buttons you have to press to do specific moves and if you don't do them in a specific order you're not going to get a combo or you're not going to get a specific move and you really got to know what you're doing with yeah. the classic but it's satisfying because once you like i think about it i liken it to like 2k when i first learned how to shoot 
and two came without a shot meter. Dude, I was I was shooting all day. Like I fell in love with that mechanic, and mm-hmm. it really does reward you for playing on the classic mechanic and learning new combos and moves, familiarizing yourself with move sets. So it does a great job of pulling you into this fighting scene, this fighting game scene, which I really enjoy. Yeah, honestly, I've thought about buying it a couple times. One, just because, like, I, yeah, I heard that it's, like, very easy to get into as far as, like, the actual controls and actual mechanics. But I heard that the multiplayer is really fun. And that, I guess I don't know how true this is. Maybe you can speak more to this. That you can, like, go into a room, and then there's, like, like you have, like, a little avatar kind of thing. And then you can, like, walk up to an arcade cabinet. And then, like, you sit down at the arcade cabinet, and then somebody else is, like, in the same kind of like lobby room and then they walk up and sit next to you at the arcade cabinet and that's kind of how the fight starts yeah that's when you play online with your character you could do that you could play that sounds sick man that sounds really cool yeah there's like an online kind of rpg mmorpg part to the game which is really cool that they included it because you have like the regular story mode and then you can you have your avatar you have your skill customization and they really it allows a different facet for understanding the Street Fighter universe, like playing through your own character. And it's it's really cool that you can, there's like a bit of a GTA aspect to it where you can just, like you said, you can go sit at an arcade and just like play somebody else. You can also just fight anybody, like any random CPU on the street. You can just punch them. And then you guys are in the middle, you guys just, it cuts to the 2D animation, you guys just start fighting. You can do that with anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Like somebody who's just sold you some products, you can go ahead and just punch them. And now you're fighting. <laughs> oh, that sounds really, funny. It's really cool that they did that because it was different. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like yeah. I was expecting something a lot more structured and uniform. Uh, mm-hmm. To see that they were going with that, it made me more curious about it, about the game mode, mm-hmm. and about learning more about the game and the fighting mechanics so I can experience that more fully. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued by this game. I guess the only thing for me, one, I mean, you're my fighting game guy, so I gotta talk to you before I make any fighting game purchases, but, <laughs> I guess, like, I'm just kind of thinking, like, is this the one? Is this the one I'm gonna jump into? What do you think, based on your little impression? The love for this title is there, and I can see why. It's not like, when I think about more fighting games, too, I'm more leaning towards Mortal Kombat and Injustice. Have you played either of those? No, okay. I don't Well, to me, it, like, tears Mortal Kombat and Injustice by a couple. Like, it's like a fighting game in its own respect. Because okay. it's less so about, like, the story and more so just about the fight mechanics and how good you are with them. There's only 18 characters. It's more so just about the fights. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I can see why people go crazy for this because once you figure out how to fight here like once you figure out what you're doing it feels so smooth it runs so smoothly and you just want to keep doing it it's very rewarding it's very fun and this could be a fighting game for you blake this could be the gateway the gateway drug into the fighting games (laughs) street fighter 6 can be that because Man, when I tell you it goes into like frame rates like the nuance of this game Mm -hmm. you can get that meticulous about it, or you can just get on and just fight random CPUs on the multiplayer mode, which is really, really cool. 
the story mode is probably what I'm most excited about too, just seeing like the different fighters, how they fight, what the lore behind them is, the lore behind this universe, because this is an IP that has also been around for 20 plus years. Maybe right? it used to be an arcade game, didn't it? Street Fighter used to be a big arcade game. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter has probably started tons of street fights. <laughs> That's the mark of a good fighting game, I guess. It's the mark of a good fighting game, dude. It, it sparks the competition, that good old competition in this all. You'll have to let me know, man. You'll have to play it some more, and then if this is I'd the one... I'd have to stream it. I'd have to stream it. I feel like it's a very streamable title, especially if I learn more. Get the, get the online pretty good, where I can hold my own, and I'm not getting beat up online all the time. Yeah, you absolutely should, man. Yeah, dude. I was streaming earlier today some 2K, but only for 30 minutes because it got very explicit, dude. The 2K community. <laughs> I wish there was a way to, like, filter the people you play with, but there's no way you could do that. <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. Did you win? I won a couple. I lost a lot, too. And that's That was the issue. Is I had teammates who were upset about losing. And they were, they were complaining. Yeah. Graciously. Damn, they kicked you off, man. Dude, I just got <laughs> off. I, I Twitch didn't kick me off yet, but I, you know, I really like the Sticky Munchkin account. I don't want to lose that account. Yeah. So I just, I stopped my broadcast. Yeah, I get that, man. I've actually, I've been streaming a little myself. I've, I've been streaming some Skyrim, and that's been really fun. I've been seeing you post the videos on YouTube, too, so if you catch the stream, you can watch the YouTube video recording of it. I guess links to both of our Twitches are it's in the description of this. And Yeah, I've been putting the Skyrim, my Skyrim playthrough on the YouTube, and it's been really fun, man. I've been playing as like a Khajiit mage, and I'm kind of playing as like a Ronin right now. So I normally like try and get as many companions as I can to kind of follow me around, but I'm playing as like a solo Ronin. I'm really getting into fights. I'm, I normally try to play like a little bit more of like a peaceful kind of route, like a don't like go out seeking fights, but I'm going out and seeking some fights, man. I've taken down two bandit camps and I haven't even made my way to the Greybeards yet. Okay. Okay. So I think that's in the, the next playthrough or the next stream. I'm going to go, go talk to the Greybeards and see what it means to be the Dragonborn. Oh, man, dude, that makes me think about Starfield, too, when uh, they asked Todd Howard about the story mode, and he said that mm-hmm. you don't even have to touch the story mode on Starfield. Was in Skyrim, I do feel like you kind of, you don't have to touch the story mode, like, you don't have to see the Greybeards until, like, mm-hmm. but the game does feel a bit limited if you don't play the story mode, I find, like, because you don't have as many shouts. Also, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Dude, the game's been out for over 10 years, man. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't play through the Greybeards, you won't learn how to shout. Yeah, I've done that. I've gone up to the Greybeards before, and I've, I've done oh, that. Oh, so now it's just about, like, following up with them. Oh, no, I've, I've done that on, like, a previous playthrough. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, I do know what happens, but on this playthrough specifically, I haven't I haven't made my way to the Greybeards yet. But I've never really made it much further than the Greybeards. I always fall off for some reason. You have you never joined the Blades? I've never done. I haven't really joined any other factions. Well, okay, okay. So, all right, let me not say anything else. Um, <laughs> well, that gives me some perspective as to where you're at in the game. But, yeah, man, I, just, like, being excited for Starfield, I, like, had to jump into Skyrim. Man. No, it makes a lot of sense. 
And I'm thinking it reminds me of like those Tsushima. You're running a Khajiit with like samurai like kind of things. Seems and like I parties messing with Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, actually, I really loved Ghost of Tsushima, man. That was, I will say, that's been my favorite PlayStation game, hands down, I think. They um, put a lot into that one. I think it's been one of my favorite open worlds, too. Although I do got to say, I really disliked the story. I didn't really like how it really, it really forced you down one path and, like, your choices didn't really matter. I really very meticulously did not assassinate anyone outside of, like, the tutorial when they made you assassinate them and the story kind of kept taking you down this path where it was like people would just talk about you and they're like, Oh, like you're not living by the samurai way. You've been assassinating all these people from behind. It was like, I have killed one person and the game made me do that from behind. And I was just like, I really hated that. I was like, I was role playing as like a samurai that was living by the code. And they like, that game is just not about that. Like your samurai, it falls off and they're like, expecting everyone to, not yeah. by the code. <laughs> yeah, they didn't expect me to play like an honest samurai. So, but <laughs> no, yeah. So I was a little bit, I guess, frustrated and sad that the way that that ends. And, and then I, I got the bad ending too. Like, oh my god. Every part of like my playthrough is like, I'm going to make this choice at the end. And I was so pissed the way that it ended. I like watched the second ending on YouTube and I was like, fuck me. <laughs> You're like, like I can't believe this. Bad yeah, I can't believe that that, that, that ended. Yeah, that maybe you have to uh, replay that one through Skyrim. <laughs> replay Ghost of Tsushima and through a Khajiit's lens. I think I um, might have to. But, dude, I had something to say and I just lost my train of thought. Uh, and that happens. But yeah, man, just really excited for Starfield and get, seeing Skyrim, you know, I think it's been great going back and I encourage anyone to to go watch the stream because I kind of comment on things when I when I see them like this game I mean it's like 12 years old at this point like is it came out in 2011 and just like being at the top of a mountain and, and looking at out at the vistas like the mountains in the distance with the tree like there's like a mountain that has a forest on it in the distance nobody has done it better I mean well I guess games have come very far like it still is very beautiful I guess Red Dead's done it better. But, <laughs> I mean, like, it really is, like, it is very beautiful, like, seeing this world even through today's lens. The combat is a little, it's, it's a little crunchy, but with the magic, I think it's a really fun, and I, I've been having a good time with it. But it's also, like, so many, so much of it is stat-based that you don't see behind. Like, you don't necessarily get to see, like, what level people are. So that's interesting, too. Like, that really is... There is, like, you can see there's, like, a... Or you can't see it, but, like, you know there's a spreadsheet behind it. And it's really interesting to kind of see, like... Like, a spreadsheet, one, of, like, their, like, levels. But, like, also just, like, what the possibilities could be if you interact with this character. So... You can get into, like, fights with things that you really should not be fighting at any moment. Yeah, absolutely. Or you could be friends with somebody and get a, a side quest that you, like, didn't even know... Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been to Whiterun, and I talk to an NPC, and he gives you a quest that there was a bandit camp that stole his sword, like, his family's sword, and, like, you can go and retrieve that, and I had never done that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been to Whiterun, but I've never found that side quest before. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. There's always, like, the quest system in that game is well done. 
You can just miss stuff, and I think that that's... Yeah, you totally can, and they're like optional routes on quests, and if you do a quest a certain way, it affects like the rest of the story. It's really cool how that plays out, and that takes me back to like the engine, the world. It really will run on its own. And I remember playing Skyrim for the first time and just being surprised by how much, how well this game sucked me into that world. But it was just like, I really, anytime I opened up Skyrim, I really felt like I was in Tamriel. Yeah. Um, especially when you play like first person, you got the mm-hmm. magic in one hand, you got the sword in another. It's like, damn, like. You're there. I'm here, you know? And it's, the music is just so badass and it really sets the, sets the mood. Man, I gotta go back to Skyrim. I wanna play it. I've been trying to go back to Skyrim, but I want to do it in a VR headset. Yeah, I, I think that would be fun. But yeah. That would be really fun. And there's probably, the modding community has probably made a modded version of it that's, like, really plays differently. Yeah, I think there's, like, a next-gen update kind of thing that kind of up a lot of things. Or, like, an update, like um like a mod. I, I have I have that one. I tried it, and it's, like, it's very similar. It, you're right. It, it uprests a lot of things, like, performance-wise, resolution-wise. But it's essentially the same game. No, I think there's, like, a community mod. Okay, they, yeah. They really yeah, no, there them. are mods. The mod community is huge. And that's something I want to talk about, too, is, like, Todd Howard was asked about... Well, not asked about, but he mentioned that Starfield will be a game for the modding community, mm-hmm. and he's excited to see where they will take Starfield. And I am too, and I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think the modding community should get their hands on Starfield? I think that they've been very open that they want that. And I think that it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, they're being very vague. They haven't promised anything specifically. But I think as of this recording, you know, in the middle of August, I think they've actually released the development kit. I think the way it works is you have to buy it. You buy, like, the modding kit, and it gives you tools that you can then mod. I guess that, I don't know. I don't necessarily know how it works, but that's my understanding that you can, if you want, you can pay X amount of money, you get the kit, I guess it's like a program, and then... That allows you, I guess, to mod the game. And I think they've already released that. And I think that they made a comment about, you know, wanting it to be a source of livelihood for people. And I think that some of their other games, like Fallout, they've had, like, a shop to where you can, like, pay for mods. So, and I think, I mean, in a lot of ways, this really kind of just adds to the longevity of the game. Because if, like, let's say, you know, you want to have fishing in Skyrim... You know, they didn't have fishing in Skyrim, but then they mod, people modded that in. So, like, let's say you want to have fishing in Starfield, and you want to become a fisherman, like, you download this mod. I mean, maybe you pay five bucks for it, and that's the mod. Or maybe, I think kind of what the, the thing is, or I guess the, I think the plan is that they're gonna have, like, a shop, and then, you know, obviously Bethesda gets a cut of, like, if you buy a mod, they get a cut. But it also, like, let's say in two or three years, somebody adds something that everybody wanted. And, like, Bethesda may not have had the chance to do that, but this modder did. And it's just, you know, up to the same level of quality, and they, you know, charge however much for it. And then it's a way just to kind of, I guess, extend the life of a game. I mean, they spend so long working on it any way that they can to make it last or to have a longer 
to have anything they can do to extend its longevity, I think they're going to do. And I think that's that's what this is, or what the modding, you know, is in. For sure. I agree. It's another way to connect with, the, with us, with the community, with the consumer. And with Skyrim, I love mods. Like being able to look at the world from a whole new lens or, or play the game through a whole new perspective. It's really exciting. And the fact that the developers have that in mind from the very like beginning mm-hmm. speaks to just how much they want to see this title succeed. I don't know. Yeah, it speaks to their confidence on it. Exactly. Like a lot of times developers we can tell they come and just well are like one and done, they just want to put this one out so they can work on the next one. You're you're not getting that with Starfield. It really does feel like the developers put their blood, sweat, and tears into this one. Yeah, absolutely. Blood, sweat, and pixels. Shout out to Jason Schreier. I guess one thing that I do, I can't believe it. You've brought it up twice, and I wanted to talk about it. The music, man. I'm just so excited for this music, dude. You kind of touched on this, that one of the first things they create is a couple songs and like the soundtrack, a couple songs for the soundtrack. And I guess the developers have that as a tool that they can listen to and refer back to, you know, when they're creating the game. And that does elicit, you know, music. It's one of the raw and oldest art forms. You know, it, it creates emotions and it creates, you know, a feeling within you. And with Starfield, they've released a couple songs right now. I think that you can go and listen to like a 10 minute like song or I guess like a combination of songs that was performed by the London Orchestra you can go listen to that now and I listened to that today and I was just like man like like I was getting ready making some coffee and I was like let me just throw this on and just like it really does like kind of capture this like the sound of what space is going to be and like the exploration and like it really makes you feel some type of way so I am really excited to see that, but also like space is, you know, it's the next frontier. It's been captivating us, you know, for millennia. Like we're so fascinated with space as humans. And I think that capturing that within music is, is just exciting, let alone, you know, music while you're in there playing it. No, for sure. For sure. And, and this is like one of those things where from a creative standpoint, I kind of can think about like, like you said, space, music, right? Two very important things to the human condition right now in 2023. When we look back in the future, people will be like, or people might refer to things as of like, oh, this reminds me of this one song from Starfield, mm-hmm. right? Or this reminds me of like this one snippet of, you know, this song from this track list. Like, I don't know. I think about right now, like think, looking back into Skyrim, and like I can think about like the Dovahkiin song. Mm-hmm. Right? I can think about like I can vividly hear these songs in my head still, as if they were playing out loud because they were that powerful and that connection in tandem with the game. It just really leaves this like memory in your head, right? And what are we if not just our memories? So, damn. Got a little philosophical there, but yeah, you get it, dude. I'm excited. I'm excited for Starfield. What will they do? Yeah, you know, I do actually want to touch on something. When I was in college, I guess I went to Ball State. There was an orchestra at Ball State, 
and I went to see this orchestra, and it just so happened that the time that I saw it, I mean, just you hearing you talk about that just kind of took me back. They were doing a bunch of space-themed songs, and a lot of them were from, like, the turn of the century. And I actually really encourage you and, and our listeners as well to listen to some of these. I was able to find one song, then I found, like, a list of a couple others that I know I heard, and one of them was called Sun Rings by Terry Riley. And this was written in 19, or this was composed in 1935. And just like listening to like this, it really does kind of catch the spirit of space. And there's another one called The Planets by Gustav Holst. And I guess it's an estimate. It was composed between 1914 and 1916. And just hearing some of these are, are just just incredible. I think another one is Music of the Spheres, Joseph Strauss, somewhere in 18, in between like 1830 to 1870, I think they say is when it was composed. There's one more, I think it might be called like the, the Rings of Saturn or something like that. I, oh, actually this was it too. I definitely heard this one. It's called... Sunrise Sunrise Mass by Olga Gailio, 1978. So, I mean, yeah, these are old compositions. Well, not old, but like. Some of them, I mean, there they are. Let me see if I, it, I think there was one that had Saturn in the name. It's interesting to see how all these, like, compositions all deal around the same thing that all these people were obsessed with. The stars and, and what's beyond. And I feel like it's a very natural human inclination to just look up and be amazed. In the city, we're kind of robbed of that a bit, I feel like. Yeah, we, we are. But it's something humbling about that, about looking out into space and remembering that you know, we're just in this kind of pool, this mishmash of atoms just mm-hmm. rotating really fast around their sun. We're not the only ones either. Like our galaxy is just one of many galaxies. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy just how big it is when we really take a step back. Did you ever watch that that video that was like tens of tens? No, I haven't. You gotta send that to me. Okay, so I guess this. I'm just trying to think. So I took an astronomy class in college, and they made us watch this in, in the class, and it kind of did, I guess the idea of it is that you have like, like 10, right? And then you do 10 to the power of 1, and then 10 to the power of 2, and it's kind of like what you are is you're going out by that scale. So like you start off like you're just looking at like some human on Earth, and then you go out 10 to the 1, and just like distant. And it's like distance from the surface of Earth. So it's like 10 to the power of 3, you know, however much distance that is, you know, like on that scale, you go out and you go 10 to the power of 10. It's just incredibly large. Watching that, that shit was just crazy to me, and that really opened my mind. You know, I'm going to link that. I'll link that in the show notes. Yeah, please do. That's That sounds awesome. Also, if you could, like photos of the galaxy. If you've ever, if you've ever seen a photo of like a cluster of galaxies, dude, it looks like it's something I'm crazy. It, it looks like an ocean you, creature. <laughs> it looks like something yeah. that might be living in the ocean. It's really fascinating. But even our world is like, like when I think about sharks too, I'm like dude, mm-hmm. these things are older than trees, and they're 
they've kind of evolved to be like the doctor of the ocean in a sense. Like they don't need too much. They only eat like sick and what's dying already. They're so fascinating, sharks. Mm-hmm. And they've been here for so long and they'll probably be here for longer than us. I mean, if I have this thing where I feel like life is just like, it takes stops on different planets. Like right mm-hmm. now it's on Earth. But it might have been on Mars at some point, and that's why it's so dry right now. And it's just kind of like, it's like a seed that like goes, mm-hmm. to, spreads itself out yeah. to the cosmos. And that's why yeah, I feel like we're obsessed with like trying to go out into space because it's like that life, life is trying to like disseminate itself out into mm-hmm. the cosmos. And we're just, just experiencing one part. it. We're just a part of that to say, yeah. Yeah, it's, man, very philosophical. I mean, it's really cool to think about that and, like, where life could have came, come from. Like, I think, that, like, those are just the greater questions of man, and I don't know. I, I think it's our fate, dude. I think, yeah. like, we were we we're given these brains to, like, be able to understand these crazy concepts. Maybe we're, like, supposed to figure that out, where this came from, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, why maybe not? Maybe we're why not. not. Who knows? So, I guess the video, I will link it in the description, but it's called Powers of Ten. And it's from 1977. And I think kind of what my professor said at the time was, and this was a couple years ago, that at this point, we can go so much further out. But at the time, in 1977, we could only imagine going out that far, which is why it was capped at 10 to the power of 10. But very, very interesting. So I guess it's also the subtitle is Scales of the Universe. Or Scale of the Universe? But also, I guess I will plug one more thing before we end it up today. I found there's, I guess it's like an hour-long video, and it has all of the composition on it. So I guess this guy, Gustav Holst, had like a whole, I don't know, I guess he made like a whole orchestra. I don't really know what it's called, but it's kind of like, he made like one song about Mars, one song about Venus, one song about Mercury. And it's about like a whole hour, at least from the YouTube that, that I found. And it's called... Gustav Holst, The Planets. And I guess that's like, I don't know, like the album from the 1800s. I don't know where the, the equivalent, but. That's a cool concept to like name every, like give every planet its own frequency. Yeah, I guess the full title is The Planets, comma, OP period 32. I guess I don't really know what that means. It says, is a seven monument orchestral suit. Suite? Orchestral suite? I guess. But basically there's seven... Excuse me. I guess there's seven songs. And it goes from Mars, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. So, very, very interesting. I'll link that as well. And you can kind of... I guess the sounds of space, I guess this is from the early 1900s. They've, they've been around for, for longer than, I guess, that we know about. I think it's just interesting to listen to this in this context because... This came out, I guess, like 50 years before we went to the moon. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, definitely. All the creative stuff around space is very, very awe-inspiring. And I'm so obsessed with space. That's one of the, like, earliest dreams I've had is being able to go to space. I've actually had, like, recurring nightmares being on the moon, being trapped on the moon. I think zombies didn't help with that. Probably zombies put that in my head. And, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They're from the Black Ops. It's, it's very similar to that, kind of like. That actually, that is a very sick map. Because you can see, like, 
I mean, I think it's on the dark side of the moon, and you can kind of see these the Soviet facility. They've got like rockets and like an industrial complex where they're mining materials. And there's zombies in space. Zombies, it's crazy, dude. It, it was such an <laughs> awesome concept, man. And now that you see it, it's like wow. I bet you people want to check that out, but. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck playing Moon. I don't know how you would. <laughs> you, might, you might have to play the Zombies Chronicles or whatever. Like. Actually, I think if you have PlayStation Plus, you can get it. Uh, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, the Zombies Chronicle 3. Yep. Anyways. What a, what a way to end the episode, dude. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And maybe we could have a stream, stream Zombie Chronicles 3 if you want. Yes. I we did talk about it. I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, I'd love to play that. Hey, maybe maybe we'll be streaming some zombies here soon. You never know. You never know. All right. Well, I think we think that's a good place to end it, Brandon. Thank you so much for for being here with me today on episode 80. It was a pleasure. Episode 80. I feel like it was a good one. It's definitely going to have a lot of replay value. I don't know what I'm going to title it. I guess maybe we should title it Starfield Speculation Part 2 plus Street Fighter. <laughs> I feel like Starfield kind of just crept into every aspect of it. <laughs> you gotta make it like something really creative, like something that has to do with Street Fighter and Starfield. <laughs> That's so Star- Starfield or Street Fighter Six confirmed in Starfield. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Street Fighter is like all like very based on Earth, and Starfield is very like based out there. So the way <laughs> Street Fighter in space. I'm curious to see how you pull that one off later. Like. Street I kind of like that one. <laughs> I kind of like that one. That one had a ring to it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we should end it up. All right. Here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And follow us on all social medias. The best way to support is to share with a friend. And um, looking forward to talking about Starfield here with y'all. Talking about that. You can expect a lot of episodes to come. And lots of streams to come. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll see you soon. See you in the stars. See you in the stars. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs>